Dude, the last truck I was part of, we sold. He still, he just sold the con. He just sold the concept to one of the breweries that we cooked at forever. And the guy's taking this off the menu. But we started when we started it. It was I made sure that he did Velveeta queso, right? Like that was like the thing. Like we're gonna do Velveeta Rotel, you know, cream. Like because we're food truck serving at breweries, right? Like it doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be. Something that tastes fucking excellent. We're beer. For like seven years now, he's been selling the shit out of that. He sells, I think he did the math. I think he said he sells 35 grand a year just in the pork and Velveeta nachos. Nice. You know, like it doesn't have to be fancy because no. people want to cook like that at home. They just don't want to cook at home anymore. I mean, my homegirl, she lives in Denver and she jokes that she keeps shoes in her oven. Dude, my ex, no, my ex girlfriend, when I moved in with her, she was a flight attendant, lived out off Pena, you know, off, we lived off, uh, you know, like literally she had this badass condo not far from DIA. And, uh, when I moved into her place, dude, I took 18 pairs of shoes out of her oven, dude. She never once ever cooked in her oven. She'd lived that place for 16 years. She'd never turned it Yeah, I mean, that. That's straight up what my homegirl said. I was like, like, went up and she was like showing me her condo. And I was like, man, this place is super cool. Like in downtown Denver. Yeah. I was, is it? And I was like, come on, you cook a little bit. And she's like, no, like if she opens her oven, she's like, like I keep fucking shoes in my oven. I don't use my kitchen. She's like, I eat out all the fucking time. And that's oh why like, <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, places that can, you know, now, you know, Whole Foods goes after that, right? With their big, like, cafeteria-style dining hall. And the, the the reality is, like, eating out every day used to be a much more common thing, but, like, food was a lot more simple. And, like, if you were, like, a minor, you just fucking, you know, like, ate the fucking gruel and a biscuit that the fucking place sold, you know what I mean? And it was what it was. And you ate out a lot. Um, you know, eating out was different. And so now we're kind of, like, reverting back to that. But price point is really important. My buddy has a a fun kind of like bearded white guy taco concept in Southwest Colorado. And he's had it for 10 years and you walk inside it and for like 15 bucks, you can get two rad tacos. He's got all this like elk, you know, elk sausage talk. I mean, he's, it's just all over the place. It's fucking rad. You know, like an elk taco, like elk sausage taco, a tuna tataki taco. And it comes with his beans and then like his tater tots that he does in a drink. And it's 15 bucks. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it, does. it is, but it like what he's figured out is like, he's the only place to eat and drink for 15 bucks. Genius. And he, yeah, dude. And it's, you know, now it's a game of just like getting that shit out the window as fast as you can. And he's like, I'd love to be more creative, but like his business model is predicated on like 15 for 15 bucks. bucks, I feed you lunch or dinner. And there, you know, people spend more money and people drink, but like, dude, I mean, think about it. Like how often do you guys eat out every day? Yeah, exactly, man. Me Every too. Day. I'm always eating out. I'm just like, you know, it's not like I'm eating at fucking, you know, the dining room at Tiffany's every night. It's Hell fucking man. like, I think about the money. Like, I live on the Mexican side of town, right? Like, you drive down Lake Mead, there's fucking 40 taco trucks in a mile and a half from my house. And everything you can fucking imagine. Five different kinds of birria, churros. Like, we just go out. Like, last Valentine's Day, me and my lady just went out. And we fucking went truck to truck and just got like, One's like a sope from here, 
Giria from here, a churro from this guy. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's all money driven, right? Same thing. All those Mexican dudes, they eat out every day. And like, once you start looking at restaurants, like serving a group of people versus like a place that's like truck. a demonstration of your culinary abilities. Like that's often when people have that aha financial moment. That's like, bro, take away the food, take away the wheat. It's a fucking business of in and out. It makes dollars. It makes sense, right? Like you got to track, you got to track four things, your guests, your staff, your money, and your products. You got to track, analyze, monitor those four things, maximize their potential. That yields a fucking, you know, potentially profitable thing. You know, you need a concept, you need some food, but like, nah, don't forget the business. The the bet the bet the more you watch it, I was I would always say thirty three thirty three thirty three. Beat your own numbers, you know, lab, labor, profit, and food, and just beat it. Like in anything, you beat it over that, dude. You, that's your extra profit, you know, or that's your profit. Right. You know? And uh, that way, at least you give yourself like a little wiggle room. And if you have a bad month, you know, or fucking something inevitably breaks, you know, or whatever. Yeah, dude, they, they ain't that some shit, dude. That's the other thing about owning a restaurant. You better be good at fixing fucking everything because you won't be able to afford to pay someone else to do it. Dude, no, that's like, you know, like I joked and I, I probably should take the time, get my refrigeration license. Cause I mean, like that'd be worth. If you had gauges and a belt, and you're a sous chef somewhere, like you'd be worth ten bucks more an hour, you know, or whatever. Like salaries, that'd be worth or whatever. Just oh, don't worry about it. the walk-ins going down. Let me just clean the fucking condenser out real quick. Yeah, I was actually a technician for like uh a few companies, like entertainment industries and that, and they have full kitchens. Like uh, the bone alley in the movie theater and that barn grill put together. And that actually, it does save a lot of money. If uh, you got a business on that size or something, I have like some type of maintenance department or technician guy just fix it or yeah, put a part in. I think the problem you get with that a lot of times. different. I, I don't know. I've worked in like hotels like Calneva. We had someone like a maintenance department. He didn't ever have to pay for outside help. By the end of it, it became kind of like what I was saying earlier, the Scott show. Like one dude knew how like everything was duct taped together. Right. Like, and before you know it, like that guy's gone, the place is falling apart, you know? Well, yeah, that's man. I, uh, I mean, but, my last, last job I did for Elizabeth Scott was the hard rock in South Lake. And so I did the oyster bar there and the new steakhouse and then the new, like, you know, the breakfast, lunch, dinner, restaurant, the free meal there. Right. And that like, Oh bro, the deferred maintenance in some of those buildings up there, Vegas is the same way, man. It's like it, the older buildings, if you don't have like a good contact with like the old engineer that actually knows where shit is, it's fucking crazy how little is actually known about the operations. Right. AC's hot wired on the roof there. Yeah, dude. And like the new engineer's always like, man, who the fuck did this? And then six months later, you see him and I'm like, dude, did you really just do that? He's like, bro, it's just me, okay? it's like probably how the last guy was too that's why all this shit looks like it because there's like one dude you know engineering department three people and it's like come on well that was actually the good thing about like in my years yeah there was a guy that was there for so long and like just 
He was uh, there ever since uh, the building opened up, like a couple years. So it was like that, and I always talked to him. So everything I ever did was already wrote down, or I left a bunch of notes everywhere for the next guy. So when this happens, you got to do this, and when this happens, you got to do this type thing? Exactly. But see, nine times out of ten, you don't have to go back to it. You know, some people, you don't have to deal with it anymore. That's nice. To, I, that's know. not my experience, man. Usually when you fix it, you get you just, like, you know, yeah, if it ain't broke, fix it till it is, on. right? Exactly. Yeah. If it works. Well, that's, uh, there, you know, there's two types of chefs. Like, I, Vegas is a weird dichotomy of those two mentalities. Like, we ran an off-strip restaurant group, and my bosses were really fond of hiring chefs from, like, fancy strip restaurants because of their pedigree. And I was always super cautious of that because yeah, I'm from Georgetown. Like we fix shit. We don't buy new things. Right. Like I, I can fucking fix a small motor. I can, I can rebuild a motor. I just put injectors in my fucking diesel. Like I'm a chef, you know, right. but I grew up in Georgetown. I can milk a fucking goat. I know how to make cheese. I can can fucking tomatoes. Like, like running a restaurant for me, like, I, okay, cool. You know, I know how to do all that shit. They get these guys out there and it's like, Dude, you call the plumber on Christmas Eve? And he's like, well, the toilet was plugged. I'm like, did you try to unplug it? He's like, well, the buffer did. And I'm like, so this is a $850 service charge on Christmas Eve to unclog a toilet. <laughs> you literally here, just bought that guy's kids all their presents, you know? Down here, that's yeah, uh, the dishwasher. But also for the restaurant, like, the restaurant was forecasted to do ten grand tonight. And we operate at what level of profitability, chef? It's like 16%. So you just took half the night's profits, all of the fucking work that went into this custom menu you put together for dinner tonight. And you spent half the profits on unclogging the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's Dude, uh, you can't hit people with reality like that. That doesn't calculate. No, man, but yeah, I tell you, what, you know what? I still talk to that dude, and he still talks about that night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause it, I, I, you know, cause no one ever fucking frames it like that for you. They just yell at you. You know, you're teaching them, the, you're teaching them the why dude. So many people, we talk about that all the time here, man. Like you teach somebody why, why yeah. you're doing it. Then, then it's not like, it's not, like, I don't know why I do it. I just I was told to do it. You know, like it opens your eyes to things, you know, like don't add brown yeah. sugar, add, you know, sugar. It doesn't matter how it is. Like, you know, just think that way. Brown sugar might work best in this recipe or whatever, but it could be honey. It could be whatever, you know, like, but it opens your eyes to it. And then all of a sudden, well, now you can. I see clearly. Yeah, I see clear. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, dude, you're fucking, you've gone on an adventure in your life, dude. I'm surprised. But how many, how many continents you lived on or worked on or both? Uh, Oh, fuck. Well, I've never been to Australia. I've never been to Antarctica. All right, I, uh, so five. Yeah, man, I've been to. Uh, we, I mean, I I travel a little, man. I I always spend my extra money and time on travel. You know that, and then yeah. uh, you know, just through work, dude. Like, I mean, working on the cruise ships for a year and a half, fuck, dude. You know, I, that was was that fun? That was yeah. yeah, man. Well, because I I knew there was that that wasn't my career, right? Right, right. So right. like, it was yeah, wild, like, but I was like, you know, you like wake up in the morning to like some Greek dude, the captain, like telling you that you're in Colombia. You're just like sweet, Mike. And you know, if you're you're eating lunch in a different country every day. You know, that's kind of how it works. But like for me, 
like everyone else would go home. Like we'd go for a menu implementation, right? So I'm on the cruise ship for two weeks, which is a cycle because we don't, we don't get a break, right? Like cruise ship comes into port, unloads 3,200 people, 3,200 new people get on. It goes back out dinner the first night. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't fucking stop. It is wild. So you're like, we're cooking and, and you, and you only have so much inventory space. So that's how your menus designed. And it's, loaded into all the refrigerators and the coolers like by menu you have to right like you don't have a huge walk-in and you go and get the beef for tonight right like, they're like a load there's like load charts for it and shit right like it has to be in correct. this spot yeah oh yeah dude, yeah so they're like i mean you know you're, you're working you know you and a bunch of haitian dudes with forklifts you know like that and that's um Man, I was making a point with that. Uh, I was smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're talking, but you're talking about 32 going on, 32 coming off, like going off, 32 going on. Oh no, yeah. So I, you know, I'd be on the ship for all that time, get it set up, ready to go. New people would come on. We'd roll out a new menu, and then the corporate, like you know, the consulting company that I worked for, like they'd go home. Why well, don't fuck out? You know, whatever. I had a fucking bedroom in an apartment in Baltimore. You know, like I didn't, I would just stay and be like, okay, cool. So right now you're going to pay to fly me all the way back to Baltimore and then to wherever the cruise starts next. Like, I'm just going to wander around for the next two weeks and then uh, just like buy me a ticket from fucking Istanbul to wherever the next cruise is, wherever I need to go next. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Right. So like, I, you know, and I talked to those guys that I worked with then like Jason will always say that he's like, man, he's like, I was really short-sighted with them as a client. He's like, because a lot of them, it was just like a job. And I was like, bro, I have no fucking responsibilities right now. I'm 21, 22 <laughs> years old. Right? Like, I'm, like, this is like, I'm, you know, I'm just rolling out a formula on these ships. And I just happen to be real. Like, the cruise ships is the ultimate test of your character, right? Right. It's a bunch of people that don't fucking like you. You're fucking white. <laughs> you know, everyone's like Jamaican, Filipino, Indonesian. And then you have like, you know, within the Indonesian you know, subsect, you have your Indonesians that are Muslim and they have like a halal dining room and then you have all your Buddhist Indonesians and they don't like each other, whatever. It's like, you know, it's a fucking, and they've all been working on the ships for fucking 20, 30 years. And not to mention uh, that you're also like not really in America, you know, you're international waters, you know? Oh yeah. And so it's not like, you know, it's all, it's all completely different game. Right. I mean, and you're below the waterline most of the time. Right. Oh, dude, yeah, that's cool. And like, that was the unique experience I had. It's like, I had full run of the ship. So like my qualifiers as an outside consultant working in food, beverage, like my clearances within the ship are the equivalent of three stripes on your shoulder. So I can go everywhere. Like, you know, there's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going on the cabin or the deck, you know what I mean? Of the ship, but like, you know, or like in some parts of engineering, but dude, I, 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 as, as a, as a consultant, like on the ship, I actually got a guest cabin, but I had full run of like the crew space and I could go down in the beehive. That's what we call it where everyone lives and like go to crew bar, which is like a bar on the ship. That's just for the staff. It's like the ceiling's about seven feet tall and you can smoke cigarettes inside it and all the cool. drinks are a dollar and they just go on your tap. Fuck yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. And yeah. everyone, and the, the cruise ships are just a party, man. It's people yeah. who like to party and travel and go to different places. And there's, within that there's a bunch of funny like subcultures on the ship like i one of the ones this is you guys are gonna laugh but like i worked with a ton of dudes 
that are like on the cruise ships, you live there, right? Your contracts for like six months and you work pretty much every day for six months. Right. And then you go home for three months and then you work again. And that may sound miserable, but for a lot of these foreign countries, it's a pretty rad opportunity. Well, for a lot of people, it's also a rad opportunity to maintain one situation at home and be someone else. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I'll give you one example of one of the sommeliers for like the, you know, the main dining room, you know, they cruise around with a red jacket and they still wear the old like silver, like shell looking thing around their neck to taste, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of fun. This guy's from Columbia. I mean, this is coming from a dude with a gay mom that grew up in a gay household that are around a lot of gay people. This might be the gayest dude I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I mean, like the biggest queen. And I was just like, dude, this guy is too much. And he was obsessed with another chef that worked with us on the consulting company obsessed with him just thought he was just the bee's knees wanted to just like <laughs> just constantly flirt with him and this guy's like 40 i don't know like it's funny it kind of bothers the dude i work with i think it's hilarious that much more yeah and you know we're on this ship like on and off we did a couple couple menu changes with this ship and it's like my third cruise with this dude and like we're in the crew bar and we're comfortable and he's just smoking cigarettes just like we're rapping he's talking about how hot peter is and something just cracks me up <laughs> and he's like yeah, i want to go back to columbia and he's got the, like the list and all that he's like you know i see my wife and kids <laughs> and i was just like wait fucking hold the phone and he looks at me and he's like oh nobody told you he's like look man this is me um, you know, where I'm from, I don't get to be this and I have a wife and I have kids. Um, and you know, I do like, I live a double life wow. and he's like, he just started like point there was like a half dozen like dudes in the dining room that were all a similar situation. And I was like, dude, get out. I was like that really that many. He's like, dude, it's not an uncommon thing, man. He's like, I get to be who I am on here. This is who I am. But like where I'm from, like my life would be over. My family wouldn't talk to me. That's, man. you know. That's wild, dude. Yeah. So it's just like that. So the cruise ships is, it's weird like that, right? It's a, it's a fucking crazy group. But again, like constantly put in an environment that, you know, has a bunch of adversity working against you. That's more about human characters. That's like, I sold like that aha moment for me in restaurants was, man, I'm fucking good with people. And that may be better than being good at food. Yeah. And that's like that, you know, advice I got, um, I was with a friend, he was audited a college course and the dude was given advice and it was the last semester of the first year of a criminal law like program. And he was telling these kids, look, like, don't be pursuing this type of law because you think it's cool on TV. And then he told his story and how he pursued a type of law because he liked it and he sucked at it. When there was another type of law, he wanted to do international law and he was really good at trademark law. And he went to Asia, worked in trademark law. He's like, I'm fucking Chinese. He's like, I came back and I had to tell my parents I wasn't successful. Like, and I pursued trademark law and he's like, that came really naturally to me. I was very good at it. Now I teach. And he's like, my advice is to you. There's a lot of aspects of law and where something you may enjoy as a hobby, you may not enjoy as a career. Man. So there are a couple ways to look at this, you know, pursue the type of law that you can be successful in and then you can you know explore these other ones at a you know a time that's not like relevant to your career and i don't know how much that resonated with anybody in that class like my friend who i was with like has since gone to law school and it's one of the funny stories like 
he's like, and Ben over here, who's the chef has this fucking moment of fucking breakthrough in this class. And I was like, man, like I, I, in that moment, I was like, dude, I'm really good at this other type of restaurant, you know? And that's like this whole, like what we've been talking about this evening, like more so than the food. And there was this guy saying like, and it's the advice I give now. Like I got good at what I was doing and running like a hotel. Like I got to a point where I could run that when I worked in LA, similar advice from the chef there. There's six restaurants. He comes over to the fine dining restaurant where I'm the chef, of the cuisine dude puts on an apron. This is old German dude. He's like, let's fucking cook. And the dude is like super talented for an executive chef of the property. One of the best, like most talented, like property chefs I've ever met. And I asked him, I was like, chef, do you like, don't you miss fine dining? Like you love this. And he's like, here's what I love and what you need to build for yourself. He's like, I've gotten to the point where I get paid very well to run this whole place. And I get to open whatever type of fine dining restaurant I want. So I designed a fancy space and I hired a couple smart, talented guys like you and Michael. And I let you guys do what you want. And when is this is all in a German accent. And he's like, and when I want to get my hands dirty, I am here and you're cleaning up after me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, dude, I get it. And that's what he was like. Hey man, like don't get lost in fine dining. There's a ceiling on it, you know, like be good at it. But unless you intend to own a fine dining restaurant, I can learn about the rest of the property or get the fuck out of here, you know? And he's like, look, he's like, I love fine. I mean, this was, that was his breakdown. You know, like the message was clearly there. You guys got it. It's like, dude, like just learn how to run the whole ship. And when you want to come do fancy things, you can, it's like, you're not beholden to that restaurant being successful. There's someone else there for it. And he'd come in and like, he loved it. He's like, Oh, tell me when you're getting the pig. And I'm like, yeah, chef, no worries. Like come over, like break down a whole pig with the staff, blow everyone's mind with all his like old European G, you know, like butchery skills that right. I think if you just like grow up in Europe, you just know how to be a butcher. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. Yeah. They're all like super nice with it. And I'm just like, all right. Like special, um, expe- I mean, like, you know, like a lot of those old dudes from Europe and shit, like ran to the f- countryside during world war two. You know, and like hung out on their family farm or friends' families' farms and shit like that. And they actually did learn how to butcher like a lot of that shit. Not saying that guy did, but I mean, like. No, but he, no, he, he is actually, you know, I worked in Germany and he's the one that sent me there. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's how I ended up in Germany was I told Christian I wanted to quit. And he said, well, why don't you know, why don't you go experience something else and come back and tell me if you really want to leave the property? And he, uh, he did his apprenticeship at the uh in Karlsruhe, it's the hotel Kaiserhof. And his friend that he did his apprenticeship with there, because in Europe, you know, you start in restaurants when you're like 13 if you suck at school. Um <laughs> they'd done their apprenticeship there and then they'd gone their separate ways. And then his friend returned and he and his wife bought the hotel. And they have like staff housing upstairs and like, you know, it's the hotel, man. Like it's like Adian, like German cuisine at night, but I went there and like worked. And I was weird because I'm there with this guy that used to work with him. And there's one dude and two people in the front of house that like have worked there for 40 fucking years, you know, like this guy. Right. And it's weird. Like I hold this guy in really high regard and I still do. And they're like, okay, when you get back to America, you have to ask Jeff Christian to take off his shirt. And I'm like, what? And they're like, he has a huge scar on his back. And you see this window right here. And dude told this crazy story about how he like, I wish I could remember the whole thing. If I wasn't stoned, I could, but he like, (laughs) 
he fucked with the chef in a way that was like super embarrassing for the chef. Like it was really fucking funny. And I forget exactly what happened. And the chef like came after Christian, like with a knife (laughs) and Christian like takes off and he's running around the kitchen and like the chef's chasing him. And I'm like, I'm messing this part up. But what happened next is real Christian slips and falls and like hits, he slips and slides into the wall. And he, it's, uh, it's a door into an office and the top half is glass and he breaks through it and like his side and his back get all fucking cut up from like folding over the top of the, like the window frame. Yeah. And I'm just like, it was so hard for me. I got back to the States and like went back to the resort and I ended up quitting and leaving anyways. Cause Germany just taught me that I didn't want to be there anymore than I did before. <laughs> um, but I was just like trying, you know, here's this like dude I hold in a lot of high regard. I'm trying to imagine him like 15 covered in like fucking sauerkraut slime because we make huge barrels of it there. Like getting chased by the chef and like wandered up coming around a corner real hot and like fucking himself up and bleeding all over the place. And I'm like, man, I heard some stories about you, chef. He's like, I'm sure you did. They can stay in Germany. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes, chef. <laughs> yeah. Living life that's the best Hanging by the beach Walking through the hills